we started a series last week called Battle Ready, uh, Equipped for Spiritual Warfare. Now, I'll be very honest, for the past few weeks, I've been kind of debating and going back and forth. Should I, should I pause this series and, and just start a, 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 a or just do a, a, a Mother's Day series, a Mother's Day uh, message today? Should I just, just pause the series and just say something special for the mothers? And as I was kind of going back and forth on that, I, I, I came to the realization, I said, no. No, because this series, in fact, this message can be just as much as a Mother's Day message as any other message will. Because how many of you know what it is to have a praying mom? There are moms in this room today that know what it is to fight spiritually. There are moms in this room today that have gone to battle for us spiritually. They've prayed for us. They've cried over us. They've cried out to God for us. Mothers know what it is to fight spiritually. Thank God for praying moms. If you had a praying mom, can you just make some noise for some praying moms? And you know what it is. Right? Thank God for praying mom. So I said, no, 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 I'm not going to do a special Mother's Day. This, this, is, this is for mothers as well as it is for anybody else. And so we're going to get into this today. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 will begin at verse 10. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. You can follow along on the screen, whatever is best for you. Ephesians chapter 6. Beginning at verse 10, verse 10 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So let's stop right there. Last week was this introduction to uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, and the Apostle Paul is making us aware that there are these two worlds. There is the natural world or the earthly world that we're familiar with, that, that, that we see. It's the world that we see. But there is also a spiritual world, or as he says here, a, a heavenly places. So there's a spiritual world and there is an earthly world. And these two worlds collide. They intersect with one another. And we can see that pretty evident and pretty clear in the fact that in, in, in the natural world, we see all the evil and all the destruction and all the calamity in the world and all the sin in the world today. Well, it, it, it's safe to say that that is, that is based off of or that is uh, 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 due to demonic activity or demonic influence. And there is a spiritual world whether you believe it or not. There is a, there are, there is, there is the devil and his demons, they, they do exist whether you believe it or not. And so Paul is, is, is making us aware of this spiritual world. And, and in doing so, what he's, he's telling us here in verse 10, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Like right out the gate, he is saying, look, and it, it, you cannot fight in this battle by human effort. You cannot fight in this battle in your own strength. You need to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. There's a spiritual world. There is a spiritual battle that you can't fight in human effort. You can't fight in your own strength, your own skill, your own ability. You have to be fully dependent on and fully reliant 
on God, whether you believe it or not. So in that, what he's doing is he's making us aware of the spiritual world, and he's also making us aware that the devil is real. He is very real. He may not come to you the way you think he would with, with horns and a, and a pitchfork and a, and a pointy tail. Like, if you're looking for the devil to look like that, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but that's not how he's going to appear to you. But the devil is real. And another reality we must face is that the devil hates you. He hates you. The devil is at war with you. The reason why he hates you is because he hates God. In Genesis 1.26, that we are made in God's likeness. We are made in God's image. So every time the devil sees you, he sees God. And every time the devil sees you, he is reminded that he's in a battle that he's already lost. And so the devil is at war with you. He doesn't like you. There's not a person on this earth that hates you more than the devil. He's the ultimate hater. He hates you. Not only is he real, not only is he at war with us, but the devil is also powerful. He's also powerful if we allow him to be. The Bible's clear, as I said last week, it says for us not to even give the devil a foothold, meaning don't even give the devil access. But, but the reality is, and what we're all probably facing at some point or another, is that there, there are moments in our lives where we have empowered the devil to mess with us. Where we've given him more than a foothold. We've given him a whole leg. And we've allowed the devil access to mess with us. We've allowed the devil access to attack us, to fight us, to, to, to come into our lives. And so the question I want to ask to you today, where have you given the devil access where have you empowered the devil to mess with you? And so that's something we need to identify. He is real. He is at war with us. He is powerful if we allow him to be. But we don't have to be afraid about that. We don't have to be scared about that. Why? Because the devil is still subject to God. He's still subject to God. The devil has already been defeated by the work of Jesus on the cross. The devil's defeated. He knows that. So in the meantime, and, 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 and until as long as we live on this earth, as long as we're walking on this earth, the devil's going to try to mess with us now because he knows he's already defeated. He knows he's already lost. So his, his, his main agenda, his main purpose in life is to destroy you. His main purpose in life is to get you to turn from God. His main purpose in life is to, is to take you off course from the plans and purposes God has for you. And that's his MO. That's what he wants to do. But he is subject to God. And so if we are going to be victorious in this battle, we must learn to access what God has given to us to fight in this spiritual warfare. So let's continue reading in chapter 6. Let's go to verse 13. He says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So now Paul is, not only he's identified this spiritual warfare, but now Paul is identifying our armor. He's identifying our inventory. He's identifying what God has provided for us in order for us to fight in the spirit. And so he identifies six pieces of armor, six pieces of armor. Now, let me give you some context to this. The apostle Paul is probably writing this in a Roman prison. He's writing this in a Roman prison. So Paul, it's safe to say it's very familiar with what a Roman soldier would look like or a Roman guard. And so as he's, he's getting this revelation of, of spiritual armor, he's, he's correlating it with something we can identify with. And so he's probably looking at a Roman guard who's guarding him in his cell. And he begins to go down this list of necessary armory that we will need in the spirit. But notice he says, put on the whole armor of God. Not just some pieces, but he says the whole armor, which means that we cannot be selective in this battle and still be successful in the battle. We can't choose which pieces of the armor we want to have on and which ones we don't. He says the whole armor of God. And so he begins to break it down and he begins to list it there. So the first piece of armor that he identifies is the belt of truth. He says Verse 14, to fasten on the belt of truth. And so we're going to talk about that for our time together here. So what is the purpose of a belt? We know ideally what it is. It's, it's to hold our pants up, right? Uh, some of you like uh, your purpose for a belt is just for accessory, right? That's why you got the big belt buckle, big old Gucci belt buckle. That's why you, you get some of you got bedazzled belts and uh you know different it's like so there's different the belt isn't just for holding your pants up some of you like a belt as an accessory uh if you grew up in my house you know there was also a third reason for a belt uh right you know what it is so so like there, there's different reasons for belts different reasons for belts But when Paul is talking about the belt of truth, he, he's not referring to it as an accessory. He's not referring to it as a, as a, as a, as a means of decor. In fact, he, he, he's saying that this belt that we need is, is, in this context, he's referring to something that holds everything together, that holds everything together. In fact, if we could think of a belt, think of a utility belt of some sort that this Roman guard would be wearing. This utility belt that holds his sword in place. This utility belt that holds his armor in place. In fact, uh, in this context, in this time, it was not uncommon for men and women to wear these, these robe-like uh, attire that they would call tunics. These flowy robes called tunics. And, and, and so any time that, uh, that there was going to be some, um, some, some action needed, some, uh, I guess, like, like active in battle or uh, physical activity of some sort, what they would do is they would take the bottom of the tunic and they would, uh, like, they would fold it up and then they would tuck it into their belt because you couldn't have a, a Roman soldier going into battle with flowy robes. It would get in the way. It would distract him. 
It would hinder him from, from doing what he needed to do. So he needed to tie up his tunic. He needed to, and another translation says, to, to gird up your loins. And loins just simply means waist. That's not language we use now. Like, I, I don't tell my kids, you know, be sure to go gird up your loins. Like, I don't say that kind of stuff, but, but that's what he's referring to. You're, you're, to gird up your loins is when you take the tunic and you, you, you tuck it in your waist. You, you, you tuck it in your belt. Why? Because you don't want anything distracting you. You don't want anything hindering you. You don't want anything to keep you from being successful in battle. And so the belt holds all things together. And in this case, he's referring to this belt of truth. Meaning this belt of truth that will need to hold all things together. Now, why truth? Or what kind of truth? Well, God's truth. God's truth, not my truth. Let me, let me, let me say that again. God's truth. Not my truth. See, there's a very popular statement nowadays that says, man, I'm just living my truth. How many of you have ever heard that before? In fact, don't lie, you probably said it, right? Man, I'm just living my truth. You do you, I'm going to do me. You believe what you want, I'm just living my truth. Well, there's a problem with that because when we talk about living my truth, if we were to look at, at a definition of what that really means, what they're really saying is that they're, they're following uh, uh, what their heart desires. That's my truth. Following what, what, what my heart desires. Well, the Bible tells me that the heart is deceitful. So if you're, you're following after your truth, then, then, then chances are how do you know you're not being deceived? How do you know you're not lying to yourself? Because, see, we, we, we can do a lot with our truth. We can manipulate truth. We can, we can shift and formate, form truth to, to, to fit what we want. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we, can, we can manipulate. We can change. We can, we, man, this, this truth is uncomfortable. But let me, let me just kind of expand it or open it a little bit so I can get a little comfortable in it, right? We can do whatever the truth. But not with God's truth. Because we need to have a, an ultimate standard of truth. There has to be a standard of truth. And it's the only standard of truth that we know is God's truth. It's the truth that is not movable. It's the truth that cannot be shaken. It's the truth that cannot be molded and make it fit what we want. But it is God's truth, not my truth. Now, I heard this story. Actually, Dr. Tony Evans shares this story of a pastor. Uh, pastor of a church, and he was in the, in the middle of a, what they call a building campaign. He's raising money to build a bigger building. And so in his church, these, he has these two brothers in his church, and they're both very, very successful businessmen. And these businessmen, um, they were just evil. They were wicked. They were liars. They did things underhanded in business. But nonetheless, they were very successful, very rich, and they were in his church. Well, one of the brothers dies. And so the living brother comes to the pastor and says, Pastor, I want you to do my brother's funeral. But in the funeral, I need you to tell the congregation and the family that he was a saint. And if you do that, 
I'll donate a ton of money to your building campaign. Well, now the pastor's in a dilemma because he's like, well, wait a second. This dude is evil. But yet we need money. This dude is evil, but we need money. I don't, and he, he's, he's kind of at war with, well, how do I do this funeral? Well, it's the day of the funeral, and the pastor gets up, and he's about to eulogize uh, this brother that has passed. And he gets up, and he says, this man was an evil man. This man was a deceitful man. In fact, he did some very deceitful, underhanded practices. But compared to his brother, he's a saint. Right? I, I, I can shift and I can change and mold truth to make it what I want it to be. That's why I don't need my truth to hold it all together. I need God's truth. I need a truth with a very high standard. I need a truth that is absolute. I need God's truth, something that's going to hold everything together. Now, why would truth be an armor? Because the devil's greatest weapon of choice is deceit. The devil's all about deception. He's all about deception. He's always been a liar. In fact, uh, uh, John 8, uh, some of the religious leaders are, are questioning Jesus and they're kind of questioning him in the sense of, man, you know, we, we don't really know who your father is. But I love how Jesus kind of claps back and he says, but I know who your father is. In John 8, he says, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth. Talking about the devil. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So he's a deceiver. His weapon of choice is deception. His weapon of choice is to lie to you. He's always been that way. It's, it's, it's in his character to be a liar. And let me tell you something, that's why we need this belt of truth, because we need God's truth to hold everything together. His truth. Now look, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower. But I didn't become a Christian based on all the, all the blessings that I think I could receive. I, I didn't do that. Though there are many blessings you could receive as being a Christ follower, I, I, didn't, I didn't come to Christ based off the blessings. I became a Christian because I believe this truth. I believe God's truth. I believe that I was a sinner who needed a savior. And I believe that God orchestrated this incredible rescue mission, that he sent his son Jesus to live a perfectly sinless life, to die on a cross for my sin. And because of that, I can be forgiven of sin. He was buried, but he rose again. He was resurrected. That's the truth I believe. 
That's why I became a Christian, because I believe that truth. And why is that truth important? Because it doesn't matter how good or bad my day is. That truth still remains. There may be days where I don't get blessed with anything. There may be days where the day will be dark and things won't be going well. I may be without sometimes, but the reality is it doesn't change the truth of God. It holds me together. I'm fastening my belt of truth. God's truth. And it's his truth and his truth alone that holds it all together. I don't want to be going into battle. I don't want to be moving on in life with just a flowy tunic getting in my way. And some of you are running, roaming through life, getting all distracted and hindered and don't know which way to go. The wind is blowing and your tunic's blowing up and it's showing all your, your insides. It, it's, just, it, it's just all over the place. No wonder you aren't, you aren't successful in battle. No wonder you keep on losing. It's time to gird up your loins. It's time to tuck in that tunic and get ready for war. The belt of truth. Because the devil is the ultimate deceiver. And so what I want to do for the remainder of our time, i got a few minutes left. I want to identify two lies of the devil. I could, I could be here all day listing out all the devil's lies and refute every single one of those lies, but I don't have enough time in the day. So today I chose two lies of the devil, and I think these are critical lies of the devil that, that oftentimes many people tend to believe. And these are two lies of the devil that we need to guard ourselves against if we're going to be successful in this spiritual war. The first lie of the devil that we need to guard against and that he wants to convince you to believe is that God isn't good. The devil wants you to believe that God isn't good. He's been doing this since the beginning. God creates Adam and Eve, places them in the garden, gives them this lush garden, ultimate paradise. Says, Adam, you can have everything in this garden. It's all yours except this one tree. Just don't eat of this one tree. But everything else is yours. Well, then Satan, the adversary, the devil, comes in the form of a serpent to Eve. And he starts to question. Did God really say you can't eat of any tree in the garden? And Eve says, well, no, he said we can't eat of the fruit of that tree. Because if we eat of it, will surely die. Well, what's the devil's first response? Genesis 3, 4, you will not surely die. You will not surely die. Why? Before God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Man, God is threatened by you. God is trying to keep you from ultimate satisfaction. God is trying to keep you from being like him. You won't surely die. God is just keeping all the fun away from you. 
God is keeping all the resources away from you. Because God knows if you eat of it, you'll be just like him. You'll be just as powerful as he will be. And it's the same lie and deception that he's using on many people today. God is just not good. He's just trying to keep you from some things. God is a killjoy. He's trying to steal all your fun. I'm not coming to Jesus because, man, I still like my life out there. It's, it's fun. And let me tell you something. Sin is fun. It is. As I said before, if sin ain't fun, it's because you're not doing it right. But sin is fun. But yet when God lays a standard and he says, man, don't do this, don't watch that, don't listen to that, don't consume yourself with this. When he's saying these things, we, the world twists it just like the enemy does and says, man, God is trying to keep you from fun. God is trying to keep you from having a good time. One of the very first times I ever yelled at my daughter, Sophie. Where's Sophie? Is she here? She's in a rest. She, she probably knew I was going to say something. The very first time I yelled at my daughter, Sophie, she was three years old. Like, really yelled at her at the top of my lungs. And it was one time, it was, it, it was one time we were leaving, we're getting ready to go to the car, and we're getting her, getting her in the car, and Sophie takes off out of, the, out of the house, and she takes off running through the yard and running out to the street. Like, she just takes off running. And I, I, I'm, I'm getting a seat ready, and I'm in the car, and I see her just running out. And I say, Sophie! And I grab her. Like, I, I, I forcefully grab her, and I almost hurt, I practically almost hurt her arm. And I yelled at her. And she began to cry because she felt like she was in trouble. But what she didn't realize I was doing is I was saving her because there's a truck coming down the street. I was yelling at her, and I, and I forcefully grabbed her arm because I was trying to save her life. Does that make me a bad dad? Does it make me a bad dad because I raised my voice at her in that moment? Does it make me a bad dad because I forcefully grabbed her arm? Or does the fact that I saved her life make me a good father, as any father in here would want to do for their children? And so Satan's biggest deception is to get you to believe that God isn't good. That God is just keeping you from stuff. He's keeping you from these things. He's keeping you from sin because he knows you'll enjoy it. He knows you'll have fun. And he knows you'll be satisfied. But Satan's always been a liar. He's always been a deceiver. And unfortunately, he's convinced some of us that God isn't good. Unfortunately, he's convinced some of you that God is just keeping you from things. Satan's a liar. He is a deceiver. And the second lie that we need to guard against the second lie that the devil tells that we need to watch out for and be on alert for, and I'm closing with this. 
Not only is he wanting to convince you that God is not good, but he also wants to convince you that God is not faithful. And let me explain what I mean by that. There's some of you in this room today that because of past sin, because of past things that you've done, and even ask God to forgive you for, Satan has convinced you that God hasn't truly forgiven you. Satan has convinced you that God is not faithful to keep his promise. Satan has convinced you to believe the lie and to live under a condemnation. That the sin that you ask God to forgive you for is a sin that is still hanging over your head. But my Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. And the devil wants you to believe the lie that he's not. The devil wants you to believe the lie that you still have this sin hanging over your head like some dark cloud or something. The devil has you convinced that God is angry at you. The devil has you convinced that God is ready to strike you down. That God isn't faithful. But God is faithful and he will keep his promises to you. He is faithful and just to forgive you. Not just to forgive you, but to cleanse you. You are not who you used to be. You're not who you used to be. I was talking with a friend of mine some years ago. who used to be a drug addict. And in the process of recovery, he became a Christian. Started getting involved in the church and he was sharing with me how many of the addicts that come out of the program, he didn't go to a Christian program at the time, but to be to, in recovery, but he was saying that, you know, a lot of us are walk around with this one statement that once an addict, always an addict. And you're just always going to be addicted. You're always going to be addicted to drugs. You're always going to be addicted to alcohol. You're always just going to be addicted to it. It's just, it's just in your tendency to be addicted to it. That's just all, that's who you're going to be. He says, but Chris, I, when I got saved, he said, I was believing that. He goes, but then I got saved. And then I read that Jesus makes all things new. The old is gone. The new has come. He says, Chris, I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that I'm always going to be an addict because the Bible says that, that Jesus makes me new. The Bible says that, that God is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. Not just to forgive me, but to cleanse me. Make me clean. But see, the devil's lie in that God isn't faithful. He wants to hold you under condemnation. And some of you in here are bound by condemnation. 
you are bound by the lie that God is upset at you. For some, it's even hard for you to worship. For some, it's even difficult for you to even step into this room. Because you think that God isn't faithful. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God is faithful. God does keep his promises. And if you've asked God to forgive you and you've repented of your sins, you are forgiven. You are made new. You are clean. Don't believe the lie of the devil that holds you bound by condemnation. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. You shall know the truth. What's the truth? Jesus is the truth. What he did for you on that cross is the truth. How he secured your salvation is the truth. And my friend, if you can hold on to that truth, if you can fasten that around your waist, if you can fasten that to hold everything else together, then it doesn't matter of the good days or the bad days. Jesus still won the victory for me on that cross. It doesn't matter what the devil tells me. It doesn't matter what lies he throws at me. Because I know the truth. And some of you this morning, need to come to that truth. See, you you may be living in your own truth, but my question to you is, how well does that truth hold up when things get bad? When things get dark, what are you running to? When things get dark, What are you running to? You don't don't really do the church thing, but yet when things get dark, man, can you pray for me? Why? Because you know there's nothing else that is certain but God. You know. The devil's a deceiver, and that's all he's ever been, and that's all he'll ever be till he's completely, utterly destroyed. Today, I want you to know God's truth. And God's truth is that he loves you, that he is good. He is good. He's not trying to keep you from anything but danger. He's yelling out your name. He's he's grabbing your arm. Why? So you don't get hit by the truck. He is good. And he is faithful. Let's stand to our feet.